Welcome to the Weight Solutions for Physicians podcast, the podcast that helps you find solutions for your weight concerns that will last a lifetime. You've got this. This podcast contains general educational information on weight loss for physicians. I am not providing medical advice and listening to this podcast does not create a physician-patient relationship. This podcast does not replace the need for consultation with a licensed professional and no information should be relied upon unless you have obtained specific advice or treatment from myself or another physician. Please review the terms and conditions located at www.weightsolutionsforphysicians.ca before continuing. Welcome to episode 158 of the Weight Solutions for Physicians podcast. I'm your host, Siobhan Key. Thank you so much for joining me. I have a really exciting episode for you today. We are talking about the big question of when you are a parent and you're worried about your child's weight or eating, what do you do? How do you approach that? And I've got a special guest with me, Dr. Wendy Schofer, who is a pediatrician, a lifestyle physician, and also a certified coach. And she works with parents who are trying to help their kids with eating or weight issues. And so we're talking about all things weight-related in kids, which I know is a burning question for a lot of you. And so make sure you stay tuned and check out the interview. It's a good one, I promise you. And then I also want to remind you this weekend, if you're listening to this episode when it's released, on November 14th is our first session of the Back on Track workshop. So this workshop is for you if you find you're constantly on that wheel of feeling like you need to get yourself back on track with your eating or your weight or anything like that. And yet it feels like such a big issue to do. If you feel like it's like you have to climb a mountain or start a part-time job to get yourself back on track, this workshop is for you. What I'm teaching in this workshop is that getting back on track is actually a skill. It's an essential skill in a long-term weight loss journey. If you want to lose weight and maintain it, you need this skill because If you know how to get back on track, if you can do it simply and easily, then it's not that big of a deal when you get a little bit off track. And we are humans. So let's be honest, there are going to be times in your life where you do get a bit off track. Things happen. That's not a big deal in your weight loss journey as long as you have this skill of getting yourself back on track in a kind way, in a compassionate way, but more importantly, in the most efficient way possible so that you can just turn the switch and be like, okay, now I enact this skill of getting myself back on track. That is what I'm teaching you in this workshop. Check it out, weightsolutionsforphysicians.ca forward slash workshop. Like I said, the first session, it's a two session workshop. The first session is this Sunday, November 14th. So if you're interested, make sure you head over there now so you save your seat. weightsolutionsforphysicians.ca forward slash workshop. All right, let's get to the interview. Welcome to the podcast, Wendy. I'm so happy to have you here. This has been a long time in the making to get our schedules to connect so we could do this interview. Thank you so much. It is such a joy to be here with you today. (laughs) We are talking about a really important topic that comes up a lot, both in my obesity medicine patients, but also in with the physicians that I coach about how do we help our kids? And I think the question that comes up is not just how do you help your kids, but how do you also prevent injury to your kids 
from your own weight loss journeys? And I think those are very deep and very emotional questions that people have. Um, there's a lot of fear and things tied to it. And so I think I'm really excited to dig in deep to all of that today with you. Thank you so much. And I appreciate from that perspective of the different hats that you wear and recognizing how from our medical lens, we may even look at this a little bit differently from strictly wearing the parent hat. So yeah, <laughs> so much to discuss. <laughs> so much. So let's start by just introducing yourself a little bit for everybody, telling us kind of who you are, what you do, how you came to this, and then we'll get going with some into the deep stuff. Absolutely. So I'm Wendy Schofer, and I am a certified life and wellness coach. And I work with parents who are worried about their kids' weight. And the thing is that this is something where I've come to coaching by way of having been a pediatrician for 20 years. And I just honestly always felt like there was something missing when I was working with patients in the office, working with families in the office. You know, when we started to have an increase in the discussions about overweight, about obesity, it was always in the context of here's your referral, here's your prescription, here's your next steps, your tip sheet, and we'll see you back in a couple of months. And it just always felt like there was, it's almost like it just kind of fell flat. And I kind of felt frustrated, like I wasn't really doing anything for my families. I wasn't really understanding what was really going on in the first place. Like, why were we seeing this increase in the rates of overweight and obesity? All I knew is that it was just becoming a recurrent pattern. And what should I be doing here? I just got frustrated. And it was honestly when I started having, there's a story that I tell about a mom that came in. Her child was six years old, growing consistently over the 85th percentile for her BMI. So, you know, overweight. But I, I always see that on my growth charts at the very beginning of the visit. But I didn't bring anything up with it. Noticed it. And... Uh, listened about, you know, how she was doing at school and with her family and, you know, all of her activity and what family meals were like. And then at the end of the visit, mom's like, so aren't you going to bring up her BMI? Like, what, what's your concern about it? And she's like, well, it's increased. And, you know, as we discussed about it, you know, mom was saying that she always felt like she was being told what she was doing wrong with every visit that she went to go see the doctor. Her kid was clearly doing well, thriving, but it all came down to this number. And because she had crossed some kind of a threshold that everything that mom did was wrong and she didn't have any kind of confidence in what she was actually doing at home. And that's when it just struck me. It struck me. I'm like, oh my God, even before I had the words with, you know, like with coaching about, you know, weight as a number, it was that point where I was like, hold on a minute. It's truly just a number. I didn't know to say that it was a circumstance. I didn't know <laughs> anything with that. But I was like, she's defining everything here based off of a number. And that's where I was like, man, I got to dive into this further. There's more I can do here. Me getting frustrated and just, you know, doing rinse and repeat. It's not helping anybody. That's exactly like I really resonate with that story because that's in a family practice standpoint, very similar story as to why I got into obesity medicine was the same sort of thing, like having those conversations where you felt 
just ineffective and you're like, my conversation isn't resonating. It doesn't appear to be helpful for the patient, nor was it that it was helping them long-term. Like no, the people weren't coming back thanking me for my fantastic eat less, exercise more advice that I'd give them. <laughs> and so that's the same sort of thing. I was like, it's got, there's got to be a better way to help these patients and to feel more effective in this conversation I have over and over and over again in my days. So it's interesting to hear from it from the pediatric viewpoint. It always was funny to me that the only thing that we ever felt like we were doing anything differently was when the the patients met an additional threshold that we were sending them off to endocrine. Like, oh, now you're really going somewhere. And I was like, man, this is so misguided. You know, like it, there's so much more that we can do to work in the home to be able to not make it something where you have to get to the point where you're making an additional referral or, you know, that there's the word upstream keeps on coming to me right now. Like, what can I do upstream in prevention and at home and engaging with the family and all the things that we never talked about? Yeah, with the eat less, move more, all of that, which is just what I bring back to the, the tip sheets. And we're like, hey, you know, how did that go from the last time that we talked? They're like, yeah, no, my kid didn't want to do that. Like, ah, we have more that we can uncover here. <laughs> There's a whole lot more than just telling people what to do. Go figure. You know, we, we do this in other parts of medicine, but with weight, we kind of made it sound like this is the golden path to get to a certain weight. Why, how do we even know what that weight is in the first place? How do we know? Well, I don't think we do. <laughs> would be the answer, right? Like yeah. it's all arbitrary. I don't think there's any evidence at all. all. Like there's evidence like, oh, this amount of percent loss improves outcomes. But for an individual, do we know what weight they should be? No. No, but I got to tell you that it's not the way that I was trained. It was totally something that, I mean, this is like letting go of all of my medical, quote unquote, medical knowledge all the things that I thought were being healthy and under the guise of helping kids grow up healthy, you know, guiding them, nurturing them. But I think that we've created these definitions that don't really apply. You know, even just thinking about, you know, what is it about health? And, you know, I can get into the growth charts and how those are just... <laughs> a hot mess. You're comparing yourself to a whole bunch of kids in this very homogeneous population that they sampled. Like, okay, it, it's looking at a population. It's not actually looking at the health as you're tracking your growth curves. And I think we're doing a disservice if we don't actually question why are we doing this from a medical perspective? Why are we telling folks, leaving them with the message that like the 50th percentile for anything is somehow ideal. I know we're not exactly saying that, but in our heart, it's kind of like, oh, you know, the, the folks are saying, hey, well, my kid's at the 75th percentile and I'm concerned because he's closer to the 85th than he is to the 50th. I'm like, that is so not the way it works. <laughs> that is not the way it works. The 75th is normal. Okay, 75th is normal. <laughs> but really understanding that it's hard to get your mind around. And I even see like just talking about the arbitrary number of a BMI, lots of the physicians I work with and coach, because we're physicians, our view of the BMI is it's best to be in the normal BMI range, partly probably because it's phrased that way, normal BMI, overweight or obesity, right? And so 
a lot of the physicians I work with feel like they're only successful if they cross into that normal range. Even if they started in the obesity range and, you know, from all the evidence we have, dropping, you know, a moderate amount of weight will improve all your health outcomes. But as physicians, we're trained to focus on that number. It becomes like, but it has to be the normal number for it to be worth it or for me to be successful. And it's a lot of kind of unprogramming to work on. It's tough for us to let go of our numbers though. We are so focused on kind of like that goal. And when you have a number as the goal, like everything that's outside of that narrow range, it's like, oh, I didn't meet my goal. I'm not there yet. And man, how much I'd love to look at normal. You know, it's funny. Like we, we talk a lot about the spectrum when we're talking about developmental pediatrics. I'd like to talk a lot more about the spectrum of normal in other areas because you know, sometimes when we talk about, you know, with, with the autistic spectrum, I describe, you know, how there's very many different shades and different variations, but I also describe that it's a wide range, kind of like the rainbow, you know, and I got to tell you, I see that we're all on the spectrum and I'm not trying to make light of it. I'm not trying to make light of diagnoses, but I view it that way as far as thinking that we all kind of have these different variations, different traits, different qualities, different approaches. But then I also start looking at how can I apply that approach to something like weight, you know, and thinking about, you know, it's not that you have just crossed some kind of a threshold and all of a sudden you are no longer normal. Like normal is a spectrum. Even when we're talking about ranges. I mean, how many times do we see that with laboratory results? You know, <laughs> you're one point over and you're like, okay, that's it. It's abnormal. And you're like, yeah, but if it was just one point different, like seriously, it's still a spectrum. We just had to draw a line somewhere. Well, maybe those lines aren't really helping us. Yeah. I definitely think from a mindset perspective as either a parent dealing with weight like with dealing with kids who have weight issues or dealing with their own weight, I don't think those lines are helpful. Those particular labels where you define something's essentially wrong with me or wrong with my child because they have crossed this line, I don't think it helps you make changes in any way when we look at it from a mindset. How do you, like if somebody's listening who has a kid that they're worried about, uh, worried about their weight, how do you start with those parents? What do you help them do? I honestly start off with asking the parent what's their concern. It's actually not me focusing on the child. And a lot of this is in, you know, coaching interactions. It's not in the context of of the medical office. It's actually, you know, us having a coaching conversation. So I don't actually know what the child's weight is. I don't know what their BMI is. All I know is that the parent is concerned. And so I want to open it up and just first understand what's the parent's concern. And that's where more often than not, I hear about the challenges that they've had with different dietary or movement guidance in the past. Perhaps, you know, the the child is not engaged with an exercise plan of going out and moving for an hour every day of, you know, sweat inducing activity. But then the other part is just hearing what the parent is making it mean for themselves. 
And so often it's coming back to their own journey, their own concerns about challenges with, you know, different diet experiences in the past with their own weight. The other thing I often hear is how am I supposed to do this when I've got one kid that's skinny and one kid who's not? Well, let's talk about that because that's a great question. Yeah. How does a parent help kids that have naturally two different bodies that hold on to weight differently? So a lot of times what we we try to look at is not the weight, not the the body, because, you know, even if you're in the same family, it doesn't mean that you're going to all have the same shapes, the same growth curves by any means. But a lot of times we think, well, hold on a minute, you know, that we should be tracking in the same path. And that's not actually the case. But a lot of it is coming back to looking beyond the weight, like what are the habits behind this? And so often, parents have gotten this message of, you know, they need to try to increase the weight of the skinnier kid, that they need Mm. to try to bulk up the calories. It's okay if they have all these additional snacks, you should actually encourage it. And oh my goodness, all those additional supplements, (laughs) all the supplements. And then there's the other side where it's like they're treating the, the kids differently. And so the conversation that we have is more of why are you trying to bulk up this other kid? What are the concerns that you have there? And I think a lot of times what happens is we haven't actually questioned why are we trying to increase this child's weight, but now I've got another child on another end of the spectrum over here. I feel like a lot of times I'm, I'm discussing differently than what other physicians had because everybody else is like, hey, go, go give them some Pediasure. I'm like, why are you giving them Pediasure? You know, even my own child, I got to tell you, I had a kid that, oh my goodness, for the longest time, he was less than the fifth percentile for everything. And everybody kept on telling me, dude, Pediasure, it's amazing. It's going to make him like come up on the growth curves. And I said, why? Why, why do I need to do that? He's growing. He's my kid. You know, <laughs> we come in bite-sized packages, you know, <laughs> but uh, we, we did our short stature workup. We did all the other stuff too, you know, because he, it was not just weight. We did the whole thing. I'm like, I'm not going to just be teaching him that his nutrition comes in a shake. He needs to learn to eat regular food, just like the rest of us. So we've talked a little bit about like the families that have kind of disparity, despair, can't say the word. You guys know what I mean between the two kids because <laughs> I see it on the adult side, right? So I talked to the adults that as a child were singled out as the, the heavy one, the one that mm-hmm. had to be on a diet when siblings didn't have to, or that their food was watched and a siblings wasn't. Or, and that has repercussions. If you're raised in this disparity, Today, guys. Oh my gosh. Anyways, if you're raised with differences in approaches in eating, then often that gets internalized. And then as an adult, it becomes something that you need to unravel a bit. And I'm not bringing this up to bring any, you know, like shame or saying parents are doing it wrong. But I think it's a really important topic to be aware of is how we're talking to the kids about food or, or not even talking necessarily, but what are we modeling to them about their food? Mm-hmm. by how we approach their food. I think so much of it, you know, comes back to thinking about how as a family are we approaching food? 
how as a family are we approaching meals, the refrigerator, the pantry, meal times. It's not that we have different rules for different people as far as how much you can eat or when you can eat or what you can eat. It's really like, what is our family approach? And then it's stepping back and then saying, okay, and we're all going to grow differently. You know, but, but those are the habits where, you know, we start getting into what kind of habits do we want to create as a family in that approach to food. And it, it, it's, it's having the same, you know, quote unquote rules for everyone and not saying, well, you know, you got to eat the salads over here, you know, because there's some kind of a question or challenge with weight versus everybody else can have whatever else they want, or we're going to try to get them to eat additional food. I got to tell you, my radar was always up for those kids that were not crossing different growth curves in in the office. I got to tell you, I always said that there was nothing scarier than that quote unquote skinny kid that nobody ever asked about their habits because they're just sliding by. Like right now, they're laying that groundwork. They're creating those habits that they're going to take with them into the future when maybe metabolically, they weren't meant to continue eating like this. You know, these kids that just eat the junk food all the time and they haven't learned about how to actually nourish their body. Well, it catches up after my years as a pediatrician have passed when they are getting into adulthood and all of a sudden they're like, oh, hold on a minute. I can't eat like this. I'm like, mm, perhaps you could have, you know, we could have looked at that a little bit differently earlier on about what kind of habits will set you up for lifelong health, for lifelong, like just nourishing your body. Yeah, absolutely. And I think this is a good spot to talk about because this is a question that comes up for me a lot with coaching clients and patients is, okay, if I'm going to be eating a certain way, because I think it's right for my body and my weight, how do I handle the kids eating and how do I handle that around? And a kind of more subspecialized question that sometimes comes up is I have a child who has an eating disorder, like a teenager with an eating disorder. How do I handle dealing with my obesity without worsening their eating disorder? That's a big question. But my approach, and I mean, you can kind of reflect and tell me what you how you'd view it. But my approach is, I think parents can eat differently than their kids. But what it comes down to is the intention and how it's discussed in the house. So like our in our family, both my husband and I eat pretty low carb. And the kids are old enough now that they know that. They know, like, they when I bake something, they always ask me, is, is this low carb, mom? <laughs> Can you make the real carb one? But the way we talk about it is dad and I choose not to eat carbs very often because it's not great for our health. Our bodies don't feel as good on these as they do when we're not eating them. And my husband has diabetes. So we talked about that too, that, you know, these carbohydrates actually make dad's diabetes worse. And so he chooses not to eat them as a way of taking care of his diabetes. The conversation is never, I can't eat that or else I'll gain weight or I have to eat this so I can lose weight. It's modeling. I'm choosing a way of eating that makes my body feel its best. And I'm encouraging you out of what I'm giving you to eat the stuff that is going to make your body feel the best. And I know it's an area I spend a lot of time thinking about, and it may not be perfect, but that's kind of where I've landed on like, okay, how do I approach this where I'm respecting both them and then us with what we know works for us? 
What are your thoughts about that when a parent is wanting to change what they're eating? I think that's beautiful. The way that you said it from the standpoint of figuring out what works for your body and explaining it that way. Because I mean, I think that we're all trying to do a lot of trial and error and figure out what works best for our individual bodies. Teaching kids Mm -hmm. that, I mean, it's so important to be able to listen to their bodies, to honor, to trust their bodies. You know, we talk about that a lot, you know, when it comes down to listening for your hunger signals and for satiety, but even just like what it feels like when I eat different foods and explaining it that way, because I think that's helping to give them that language that they can use as well. I hope so. Okay. Well, and uh, you know, that's the other side of it. Like, you know, is there a perfect answer? Honestly, I I I don't think there ever is. And, you know, how often we just kind of question, oh, how did I screw that up? How can I make this better? And we're all just doing the very best that we can right now. And and we may evolve it a little bit more. We may tweak it. And that's okay. That's trying to figure out what's working for us as parents. But I also think that's so important for us to model for the kids as well. You know what? I know I said that before. I changed my mind. It, we're going to do this a little bit differently. You know, just kind of that learning, that, that growth, that evolution of this is what's working for me right now. Mm-hmm. I've learned that eating less of a certain food feels better for me. I, I think explaining that to the kids can be helpful, but also one thing that, that wasn't specifically mentioned was like about the value of different foods, like removing like that whole thing about oh, carbs are bad. That carbs just don't work so well for my body. You know, I choose to eat less of them. I think that is a helpful thing to kind of start introducing into the family as far as not making this valuation, the good versus bad, the healthy versus unhealthy, which is basically good versus bad. We're just putting it under the guise of health. But, <laughs> you know, just trying to, to figure out how can we open up that discussion with our kids. I don't have one right answer for anybody. It's really trying to figure out what works within your family. And I think it's something that came to my mind while you were talking about that connects to one of the things you're mentioning is I think as parents, we take too much ownership over our kids eating and weight. Like we think we have, it's us that's going to be the make or break of whether or not our child struggles with their weight when they're older or when they're teenagers. So we, we're holding this exaggerated responsibility, but we also are at the same time kind of disempowering ourselves about our ability to be a model. And I know this is, you and I talked about this before we started recording about how important it is as a parent to feel empowered that what you do in this realm does matter and that you do, no matter where you are in your journey, you have the ability to model things for your kids that will help them. What are your thoughts on that? I'm so glad you brought up the the question of responsibility because I, when I was kind of thinking about those things in advance, like, well, what might we talk about today? (laughs) And I was like, man, how often we as, as parents have kind of taken on this, this responsibility for how our kids grow, kind of taking on the responsibility for their weight, for how they eat. And there's, I guess, multiple ways that we could get to that point as far as like different messages that we've internalized over time. 
but also just seeing like, what's our role as a parent? And, you know, as I've looked into this a little bit more from my own perspective, how much that responsibility, the more that I thought that I owned that, the more that I started trying to control, the more that, you know, it was this momzilla approach to how we were going to be moving and what we were going to be eating and, you know, the order of foods that you need to, you know, eat in, in a meal. And it wasn't until I started having that language, honestly, Ellen Satter with the division of responsibility, just, you know, think about it from the meals as far as, okay, well, what is it that I'm responsible for? Okay. Well, when is the food served? What's being served? Okay. Let's put it out there. And then the kids get to figure out from that table, okay, well, are they even eating? Maybe they're not even hungry, <laughs> but are they eating? Which things are they choosing and how much? And I started applying that to different parts. It wasn't just a meal thing. I was like, oh, hold on a minute. I'm just setting the environment. I'm setting the table for the kids. And then it's up to them to choose. It's up for them to figure out what brings them joy, what nourishes them. And I'm, you know, making the different statements between like movement and food, but all of it. I was like, as a parent, I'm not responsible for all of this. I'm responsible for loving them and nourishing them in whatever way that looks like. And so I had to learn how to let go of that responsibility looks like control. Like it, it really came out that way in my household. And it wasn't until much later that I looked at the growth charts and wait and thinking, oh, hold on a minute. Maybe I was also thinking about what their outcomes are what their growth is, like how I was responsible for that. Because I was so busy micromanaging with what we were doing as activities and and mandatory fun, as I call it. (laughs) (laughs) You're going to come and you're going to have fun. And we're going to do it as a family, Doug. (laughs) (laughs) And it's going to be fantastic. There are some parts of my Navy experience that may not be that beneficial for everybody else. <laughs> but, I think uh, we've all been there as parents where we're like, and then we end up hating, we finish it and we're like, oh, the fun thing is not actually fun for us. And it's, it's just, and I'm laughing because we all do it, right? And it's just so funny how our brains work and create those things. It's such a shared experience. It's one of those things that I would have never admitted out loud a couple of years ago because I thought it was my deep, dark secret. They're like, oh, your family gets out and does all these things. I'm like, oh, they hate it the whole time. (laughs) (laughs) And I hate it too. It's miserable. (laughs) (sighs) But uh, yeah, you know, it's, it's not my responsibility. Oh my God. That's a new phrase for me. It's a freeing phrase. I use it in other places as well. Like in the office, it's really easy to take ownership of everything that happens in the office of like, even in the medical community, like I live in a smaller city. And so it can be like, oh, you know, it's a sense of responsibility if I have to fix stuff, but you can't fix everything. You can't hold responsibility for everything. And, uh, I work on letting go of that. I've worked a lot on letting go of that over the past years. So how does a parent start to feel empowered? How do we flip that? Like letting go of that control responsibility. How do we move to empowered? I think that one of the big things is just recognizing 
our unique role as a parent, something that no one else can do. So this, this came up, I had a mom that reached out to me and she described the, the challenges that were going on uh, in her home and the struggles with her, with her son's weight. And she, you know, she and I were discussing, and I said, you know, hey, we're, you and I are going to work together and, you know, we'll, we'll, you know, create a plan for how you can create these healthy habits that the whole family can share. And she's like, nope, no, I, I just want you to work with him. It, mm-hmm. He's the one that has the problem. And I was like, oh, wow, hold on a minute. We are speaking a completely different language. I asked her, who knows your son's struggles better than you? Who knows what he's going through every day better than you? And unfortunately, it wasn't something that she saw the light in all of this because she's like, no, I just want you to fix him. <laughs> I was like, I'm sorry, that's not the way I work here. <laughs> but um, he, there's nothing broken about him. And we as parents have the best bird's eye view on that to be able to see how our children are whole, how our children have different strengths, but motivators and, you know, different things that just make them unique. And as we as parents recognize that, as we can see that we get to see them day in, day out, we get to work with them through all of this. No one else is there, you know, when they're having those questions about their body image, about what they should be packing for lunch, about what kind of activities they want to do or not. It's not something you can outsource to anyone else. And I think the other side of this is giving parents the opportunity to be able to see that right now, we are always role models. Always, always, always. You are a role model right now, whether you're modeling what you want to model or not. But our kids are always learning from us. And so I think that as we can learn to acknowledge that we've had challenges with our own approach to nourishing our bodies. We've had our own challenges with weight or figuring out what kind of movement actually like works for us and all of this. As we can acknowledge that, we can grow together with our kids. We can be there to support them. I, I see that growth. So many times people talk about growth for kids. It's for the family. You can grow together like actually growing closer with your relationship, but also just that evolution and that growth as you're becoming the role model that you really wish to see for your family, as you're modeling the habits that you want to continue into the future, that you want your kids to adopt. Well, the best way for them to adopt it is for them to see you doing it as well. Yeah. And I think, you know, that brings up a really important thing that if somebody listening, if they're holding the fear of not wanting their own weight or eating issues to break their kids, sometimes I think we make the mistake if we don't talk about it, it becomes a topic that is like off limits and not discussed. Whereas I like, if we look at it from the perspective of the role model, I think there's a lot of really good role modeling. Now that doesn't mean talking to your kids about everything you don't like about your body, like that might not be appropriate. But talking to them about sometimes you struggle with feeling good about your body and this is how you handle it, that is a really good role model. Like normalizing that, you know, sometimes you really crave 
the food that you know doesn't work for your body and this is how you handle it. And using your own experiences on how you've problem solved it to give them the, again, kind of the language and that idea that it is something that's problem solvable and it's not something that you have to just get right. Like it can be something that you work on. I think that's really important. I'd like to remove the whole concept that there's anything that we, that we ever have to say just right or do just right. And I think that some of the greatest connection that I've shared with my kids over the past couple of years has been acknowledging that I have no idea if this is right or not, but it's going to, you know, it's working for me right now. Or I've learned something that I'm going to start doing it a little bit differently. And our kids look at us as, as role models, but they also think whether they like us today or not, you know, we always have those moments where you're like, oh, my kid can't stand me. They're still looking at us and thinking like, we are the bee's knees. Like you are an amazing parent. They're watching you all the time. And that in a good way, they love us so very much. And we can model for them that, you know what, mistakes happen or I made a choice and I choose to do differently now. It didn't work out for me. And I'm being mindful, you know, I, is it truly a mistake or is it a learning possibility, you know, opportunity? But, but even that whole thing, like how often we start using the wording of failure. Oh, you know, it, when we talk about I failed a diet or I failed a fitness routine, you know what? It just didn't work for you. At this This time. time. Yeah. Yeah. I think that those types of conversations, it's not like you have to have this like long drawn out thing about what happened with every single thing, but (laughs) but being able to acknowledge, you know what, that just didn't work for me. Oh, I'm going to try something else. I'm going to try it again. It didn't work this time. Or, you know, just I reserve the right to change my mind. Oh my God, that's something. I didn't know that was going to come out. I say that all the time. I say that in the office. I say that with my kids. Sometimes I'll throw a little bit of, I'm a woman. I reserve the right (laughs) to change my mind. (laughs) But all of it, it's okay. I'm getting a little bit more information. I might choose differently the next time around. It's okay. And I think as we talk about this, it comes down to, and your story about the woman who wanted you to fix the kid, I think really does come down to the idea that if there are weight stuff going on, there's something wrong, which is a belief we are fed a lot through society. And I think what often happens is we project that. Like if we feel to ourselves that our weight issues or our eating issues or whatever we've been working on is something wrong with us, then if we see it happening in our children, we view it as something wrong with them. And in order to have these conversations where you can be more empowering and stuff. I think that's a really important place to work. If like everybody's normal, everybody has different bodies, everybody's life and brain is different and there's nothing wrong with wherever you are. It's, this is where you are. Yeah. How many times those thoughts about, you know, I've had my own challenges and now I see my, my child having these challenges and how much we internalize that as well not even so much that there's something that needs to be fixed with him, but that I haven't done it right in the first place. 
you know, there's, there's so many different layers of that. And, and that's why I, I really think that it's coming back to working with the parent because whether you have your own journey with challenges with weight or challenges with, you know, diet, I, I mean, body image, all of it, we have our own different histories, our own different journeys. And until we kind of come to, to making peace with that, I don't truly think that we can help our kids until we can really kind of look at that modeling that we're doing, but also what is it that we're really trying to do for our kids? Are we trying to get them to avoid a path that we're on? Are we trying to fix something that we don't really know in our heart? If we, I, I'm trying not to use the, the language of fixing, but, but how often we say that, like, I need to fix him, but, but I don't know if it's possible because I haven't been able to fix myself. And, and so like coming back to the parent to be able to say, okay, hold on a minute. Let's just start here. And let's start looking at all of these different messages that you've learned over time, that you've taken in from your family, from society. What does it mean for you? And kind of look at it there. And then how do you want it to be going forward? Because that's how you can start outwardly relaying it to your kids. That's how you can start modeling it for your kids. Like a lot of that does come up in, in body image, you know, because folks will start asking about, you know, how can I help my kids with their body image? And I start by asking the parent how they talk about their own body. You know, how are you talking about your body around your kids? When you eat certain foods, what kind of comments do you make about the food or about your body? that, you know, that the kids are, are hearing that for better, or for worse. Like, but it's just like, just notice we are setting the environment for our kids all the time. Absolutely. That's something I think a lot about just, I've got um, twin girls who are into the preteen stage. And so I think a lot about like the body image stuff and even with, cause they're old enough, obviously that they ask me about the coaching and the podcast and stuff. And so I'm also just really aware of how I talk about this work that I do too, to talk about it in a way where it's positive, where it doesn't become where they, because it's, it's not what I do anyways, but where they interpret it as like weight loss must be so important because that's like all mom does is make people lose weight. I try to talk more about what we really do, which is a lot of what you've been talking about is like, it's empowerment. It's like deciding to make choices that make you feel better, make your body feel better and help you reach whatever goals you want to set for yourself. That's what we do. But it's, uh, especially in our society, it's something to be aware of because the kids are definitely getting the messaging outside of the house. And so it's, you know, what are we messaging inside the house about bodies and the range of normal and all of that? And it's not to say that we're doing it all wrong. I was mindful. I was thinking as I was saying that before, like, it's not like you have to be like scanning for everything that you're saying, like, oh my God, what are they going to hear? But think about how you can actually be that positive model at home, you know, because they're, they're hearing about all this other baloney on the internet and, you know, out at school and everything, but you know, how much we can model that body positivity at home, you know, how we can, you know, acknowledge it. I mean, I'm even just thinking from the standpoint of doggone it. Yes, I'm wearing a bathing suit. You know, we're going out and we're playing. I'm wearing a bathing suit. 
or like even I'm getting into different pictures, like how many times we start like <laughs> contracting and, and withdrawing from these different activities that are showing our bodies. It's something that it doesn't even have anything to necessarily do with weight or eating, but just how we're showing up. And again, I keep on thinking we are the environment for our kids, how they can see us doing different. Oh my God. I mean, <laughs> I'm sorry. I just flashed it, you know, with, with my son, you know, he, he cracks me up, but, um, you know, he loves doing weightlifting now. This is like his big thing. And he's very focused on how he can gain weight and gain muscle and all of this now. So, you know, we, we've gone through all sorts of different journeys here, but, you know, the other day he asked me to come on out into the garage and spot him. Like, heck yeah, man. Heck yeah. Let's do this. And I, you know, kind of said something to him about, you know, the direction that he was going and, and, uh, when he was doing these, uh, these squats, he looked at me kind of funny. I said, you know, your mom knows how to back squat. And he looks at me kind of funny. He's like, oh yeah, yeah. And I'm like, yeah, let's just remember like mom's in the game here too. Like mom's doing these things. And it's just kind of like, it, it's just kind of like letting the kids know that there's other sides to us, other things that they don't necessarily see all the time. That's something that we can model in what we wear, how we play, what we do, what we eat. And I think that that has a lot to do that I want to share with my son that women do these things too. Okay. So it's a slightly different message than I'm modeling here, but yeah, by the way, women do this too. <laughs> and modeling for him that women don't all come in this certain size, in this certain body shape. And that comes up to different discussions as well. But as far as just what we model at home here. Yeah, and you know, along, this is something I think about on my run this morning actually is, um, and it's all, it's related in that we as moms, as physicians are very kind of poor at doing our self-care, right? Like we put ourselves at the our bottom of our to-do list. Sometimes we occasionally get around to it. And yet when we think of this from a version of role modeling, and this is something I've been personally working on, just I went through a bit of burnout uh, recently. So I've been really working on my self-care and I was thinking about it on my run is this is what I want to role model for my kids. I don't want to role model for my kids sacrificing myself for everybody else to the point that I burn out and then I'm irritable and unhappy. <laughs> what I want to role model to my kids is it's important. Like I left before they got on the bus this morning so I could get out and get the run in and do it during a bit of daylight. And that's what I want to role model is that this is important for me and my body and my mental health. It's something I love. It's part of me as the individual that isn't mom and I prioritize it. And I want them to see me doing the things that make me, me, but also care for me so that as they get older, they do those and they don't have to go through the years of not actually ever doing it. Or even if, the, if they get into those loops, because I think maybe they're unavoidable sometimes when kids are little, they come back to this as a picture of this is normal of moms do things that care for themselves. Moms have interests other than kids. I was just thinking, but just it came up with what we were talking about, but it's something I was thinking about, about what is it that I actually want to role model here? Is it, I want to role model that I'm there every day when you leave for the bus? 
that's what I've kind of tried over the past years, especially when they're littler. But maybe now it's the time where sometimes I'm not because I'm going to do stuff for me. Anyways, an aside, but I think of an important one. And especially as the the parent physician, because I, I think that there's so many different hats that we wear that we kind of forget about the hat of primary caretaker for ourselves. <laughs> you know, no one else is going to do it. And and we keep on giving and caring for everyone else. But ultimately, you know, this isn't being selfish. It's modeling for our patients. It's modeling for our children, for our family members. This is what it truly means to take care of oneself. And then also, of course, to truly heal. You know, we're all healers. Well, who better to start with than to practice healing ourselves, taking care of ourselves? Oh, it's so beautiful to model that for the kids. And I think, it, you know, it comes back to what we originally started with is like concerns about weight and eating and stuff. Because if the kids don't learn that you actually do need to invest time in caring for yourself, that you need to investigate and experiment and find the things that make you feel your best then it is easy for kids, especially as they get older and have more control over their food access, to use food to do those things. And a lot of us as adults, as teenagers, food played that role. And so modeling this early on and encouraging and having the discussions with the kids about what actually makes you feel good, if you're feeling stressed, what might help, and all that, I think helps with everything that we've been talking about. And as a non-food way of helping your kids without making it all about the food. Yeah, and I, I keep on coming back to, you know, with all of the doom and gloom types of messages that are out there in the media and even in the medical journals, you know, as we talk about the mm-hmm. increasing, you know, rates of, of concerns for, for overweight and obesity in, in childhood. But, you know, let, let's look at this. I mean, yeah, it's increasing in particular during a pandemic. Okay, we're all dealing with stress. Mm-hmm in our own ways, like how about we actually talk about not the weight, but how are we all trying to address that stress, to cope, to connect? We need some comfort. We need some connection. And yeah, it's completely normal that we're finding comfort in food or we're not able to go out and and do the other things that have provided us those comforts and those outlets in the past. I hate the way that the stories go to how everything is big and bad and broken. I'm like, no, it, it, it makes sense. But we can connect mm-hmm. with each other and really just try to understand what's behind all of it and how, you know, it doesn't have to be a problem, but it makes sense. It just makes sense. I guess in a way, normalizing, which a lot of times, as soon as we say, you know, we're normalizing, it's like, oh, we're just giving it a free pass. No. This is a normal thing that we're experiencing. This is what's happening right now. It makes sense. And then what do we want to do going forward? You know, what kind of habits have we been having over the past, my goodness, almost two years now? How have our daily habits changed? And then what habits do we want to create together? And I got to tell you with the word together and thinking about how things have been so disrupted with the pandemic. How can we find different ways to connect? Again, starting with ourselves, listening to what our bodies are telling us right now, connecting to the needs, the messaging, connecting to our family members, 
And then I always remind myself that when I'm in the office, no matter what I'm discussing, my patients, their families, they are craving connection right now. And how can I connect with them, whatever that looks like? I think that's really powerful. Before we wrap up, any last words of advice for people? I would say one is make sure your dog isn't outside during a podcast and telling you about it. (laughs) I keep on thinking that he's going to shush and then he starts up again. (laughs) Oh my God, he's driving me crazy though. (laughs) It's the imperfections of life. It is. It is. So if anybody's looking, I, I do have a dog loaner program. <laughs> You're welcome to borrow this wiener dog who uh, I totally forgot was outside until we were in the middle of this. <laughs> Honestly, you know, here's the thing. I mean, the, in all of this, we get to start today. Today is always a brand new day. Honestly, we can make it a brand new moment. Right now is a brand new moment. Whatever you've experienced in the past with your family, with diagnoses, with, um, with your own food and, and weight and you know movement journeys, all of it, it's a brand new start every day. And I really kind of look at it that way because all of that doesn't have to determine where you want to go with your family. What habits do you want to create? And I think that so much of that comes back to just seeing that connection. You know, that connection with your family just goes so very far. I feel like I'm rambling with it right now, but it's really like just kind of, there's so many interwoven parts to that as far as, you know, what you see as possible and connecting with your family. And that's why you are in the most beautiful place to help your kids. Because no one else is going to connect, is going to understand, is going to have that relationship that you have. That's beautiful. Where can people find you if they want to learn more about what you do? Well, you can listen for the wiener dog who's going to be barking and totally telling you where I am. <laughs> it's not Twitter. It's, it's, it's wiener dog barking. <laughs> I was going to say, no, actually, it's not Twitter. But... Uh, <laughs> It's silly wiener dog. Anyway, um, hey, find me at wendyshofermd.com. And I also have a podcast, Family in Focus with Wendy Schofer, MD. I know I'm really creative on <laughs> using my name for everything. <laughs> so I figured out that of all the things that are original, my name is one that you're not going to confuse. <laughs> Excellent. Thank you so much for taking the time today to be on the podcast. I've really enjoyed uh, chatting and I think this is going to be really helpful for a lot of people. Thank you so much for the opportunity and uh, yeah, seriously, discussions we need to just keep on having. Absolutely. All right. So much good stuff in that interview. And I hope what you heard listening to that interview, if you are a parent with children who you're concerned about their weight or their eating, or like we talked about in the interview, if you're a parent who worries that your weight or your eating may influence your children. I hope number one, you take away a real sense of kindness approach. I love, I really love talking to Wendy because she really exudes a sense of calmness and kindness that I think is so good in this type of situation. 
So if you can take that away and apply that to yourself, I think honestly, it would be huge. And then if you can take away the piece about just feeling empowered to role model what you think as a parent is going to be the most helpful for your kids, rather than feeling like you have to take responsibility for all of their actions and everything that they eat. Taking the role of focusing more on what you want to role model for them rather than trying to hang on with that control and responsibility like we talked about. I think those two things would be huge if you could take those away. Love to hear what you thought about this. Send me an email, info at weightsolutionsforphysicians.ca. Love getting emails, love hearing from it. I'm sure Wendy would too. And just as a reminder, if you're interested in doing the Back on Track workshop, this is a two-session live workshop that you are invited to. The first one is November 14th, which is this weekend. If you're listening during the week when this episode is released, head over to weightsolutionsforphysicians.ca forward slash workshop. Honestly, do yourself the favor of coming to this workshop because this skill can change the trajectory of your whole weight loss journey. It was something that was so important for me to figure out in my own weight loss journey. And it's a priority that I teach my patients in my obesity medicine program because it is the skill if you know how to get back on track all you need to do is recognize when you've strayed and you're a little bit off track and then enact these skills that I'm going to teach you and they're all skills that I use in my own life plus I've created four physicians with busy lives so they are efficient they don't take a ton of time they don't take a ton of work because that's actually what it needs to be Okay, I'd love to see you there. Weightsolutionsforphysicians.ca forward slash workshop. We'll talk to you next week. Have a fantastic day. Bye-bye.